My Coffee Talking Conversation today, I'm joined by Jim Bombeck, founder of Shenango Valley Good Samaritans on Facebook and the executive director of the Shenango Valley Chamber of Commerce. Well, I'm going to call this program Coffee Talkie, so I just need you to say, Mr. Dana presents Coffee Talkie. Mr. Dana presents Coffee Talkie. Perfect. Hmm. Jim Bombeck, okay, so your name's been floating around. We kind of covered this um, in our conversation before I turned the microphones on. Eric, your brother Eric, was actually my very first guest in here when I was, and I called him and said, could you please come over and do this with me for a while and, uh, and, and so that I could practice, and he agreed. And then I've known you and known of you because of uh, John Lubinati, you come up, your name comes up in conversations, and then uh, good conversations. And then here a couple of weeks ago, the petition signing, uh, Park Wentling, had invited me and everything over at the Clark House and ran into you. And I know of Good Samaritans, but I had completely forgotten until I looked into it that you're also involved with the Chamber of Commerce, mm-hmm. Shenango Valley. Yep. So that was really cool. I love it when things come together. It's like a plan coming together that wasn't really a plan. <laughs> it's something I'll take credit for later. There you go. In my book. I really wanted to have you in over um, Good Samaritans, but Shenango Valley Chamber of Commerce also fascinates me. And one of the things that we were having conversations with friends and family here recently was we weren't aware of how far the Shenango Valley actually stretches, what we consider to be the Shenango Valley. We actually had minimalized it, whereas Hubbard is encompassed with the Shenango Valley? That's up for debate. We have Hubbard members. I, this is what I, perfect. It's, it, it's actually an interesting question. And, I, and you stumped me on the very first one. I love that. Right out of the gate, you stumped <laughs> me. Um, there, there's some debate on, on where those boundaries are. And I think some of them are in pencil and some of them are in pen. So we know like Sharon, Sharpsville, West Middlesex, Hickory, we, Hermitage. Right. We know all of those are certainly within the Shenango Valley. Uh, but then what do you do with Hubbard? What do you do with Brookfield? What mm-hmm. do you do with Majory? Uh We at the chamber don't draw them in in in, in pen. We draw them in pencil. Mm-hmm. But I, I personally believe they are outside of the Shenango Valley. Okay. But 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 we embrace them but as we embrace part them. of our community. Yeah. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. I mean because, Hubbard is yeah. Is us. Yeah. And and the difference I know that and it's so funny, but in my radio career. Most of it was spent in Youngstown and how, what a difficult time it is for Eastern Ohio to identify and accept Western Pennsylvania as one of their neighbors. Isn't that funny? We, I was just at a, the chamber just hosted an economic breakfast and we, the economic breakfast was an update from the federal bank, federal reserve bank. Mm-hmm. And he talked about how the Mercer County in Shenango Valley is different than uh, the folks in Youngstown. I mean, we're, we're geographically really close, but there is a difference. And, you know, we're one in this county, we're much older. Um, there's not as many Gen Zs here as there are there. And there is a difference. It's, uh, I think, I think maybe the Amish community adds a bit to it. And we have that community here as well that, you know, not everyone has. Um, and we're an older community and we're much more farmers than I think most people realize as mm-hmm. well. So, yeah, you're, you're right. I mean, Youngstown and, and even though we embrace each other, uh, there's there's a difference. And I wonder if it's going to change now the political climates are changing a mm. little bit. I mean, I've started to sort of see that to happen here in the Penn, Ohio Valley a little bit. But um, I know that uh, when I was dating a girl from Liberty at one point, driving past Hubbard 
was completely and totally foreign to that family. And then I ran into so many people that were like that. It was like they, they considered really Western Pennsylvania to be Pittsburgh. That was so far away, and it right. wasn't. It was just five, ten miles down the road. Yeah, that I, I'm not sure what that is with that border. Certainly, it's not true with Brookfield, Majory, uh, and the Hubbard. I think much past that. I mean, I don't know the folks in in here in the Valley consider Liberty that close. And when reality, it's very close. Mm-hmm. So, and that's a great question about the political climate. Uh, there's no question we need to work with each other and 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 embrace each other. That's that's. Uh, that's a no-brainer for mm-hmm. sure. Niles is now much closer too because right? there's a lot more economic development, or at least it's held on over in Niles than it has here in our own community. So I'm, and I miss that. I, I, I do. I miss the mall. I mm. miss, uh, I miss that part of uh, our community. Now that I, you know, uh, my girlfriend's son the other night they wanted to go somewhere for dinner, and now they all talk about going to. Niles is being the closest place. Yeah, my daughter works in Niles, um, and that area is growing so fast and so big. And that's funny you say that because all of the new restaurants, all the new hip restaurants, I don't know if hip is a term. We're no, gonna, it's, it's, we're gonna, it's we're gonna good go for us. I like it. Yeah, it's good for you. You see my phone over here. It's uh, a yeah. 1970s yeah. push button. So it's hip. Uh, yeah. All the hip restaurants are there. Um, and yeah, that's the buzz. Even in even when between my members, I hear... You know, of all the new restaurants. They have a Chick-fil-A. Oh, my goodness. I know. Oh, Oh, man, that was a big topic of conversation. We did Sunday dinner here yesterday with the family. And that always comes up in our conversation is, why don't we have a Chick-fil-A in Hermitage? Why don't we? (laughs) They send a truck once a week. That's nice. It's a taste. Yeah, it's a tease. It's a taste. So what else is going on? You you had this economic uh, breakfast I saw here the other day. Can you give me a brief rundown on what's going on and uh, what what the what the future looks like? Yeah, I can. We brought in uh, Dr. Russell Mills is his name. He is with the Federal Reserve Bank. He's out of the Cleveland branch, but connected in Pittsburgh. Super bright gentleman that came and gave us a macro look first of what's going on in the economy uh, in the United States, and then he drilled down from there to Pennsylvania, and then he drilled down to Mercer County. But Mercer County also includes Youngstown, Sharon, Warren kind of that region. That's as far down as they can bring their scope. And it was fascinating. I mean, many of the metrics, if you will, were were a little bit better than the country. And many of them, obviously, were are, uh, much worse than the country and what much worse in Pennsylvania. I think the biggest thing that I learned um, that's a, a problem um, here is housing. We do not have a lot of housing. We do not have affordable housing. We do not have quality housing. Um, our realtors are screaming for houses to sell, and they don't. They have people, but they don't have houses. And so, w- what happens then is, so if you're a young professional and you want to settle here, you don't want to move here. You want to enjoy the Shenango Valley like you and I do. You look at it and saying, well, where do we move? What? What? We can't find a house. We've been looking for a house for 18 months, um, and and one of the th- problems is they're finding houses that are uh, older. Um, that need a lot of work to be updated, and so they're saying, "Okay, I can buy a house for two hundred thousand. That's worth about two fifty, but I need to update the kitchen. I need to update all three all three bathrooms. I need to update, update, update the roof. So now I'm upside down, right away out of the gate on that house that's now two fifty that I've got two hundred ninety or three hundred in it. 
So what we see then is people are moving. The young folks are moving out. So that then dribbles down to if you're an employer and you're looking for young professionals, they look at the demographic and say, well, who are our workers going to be? And then they, they, they may choose not to settle here. So that's one of the biggest issues that came out of that update was the housing issue really bleeds into uh, new growth, jobs, the whole bit. So what do you do to change that environment? How do you get people to come from the outside in here to start investing? That's a great question. I mean, I, I work with Penn North West Development Corporation, and they mm -hmm. have tackled this uh, at its really kind of a unique way, um, starting with junior high kids. They have a program that goes into junior highs that teaches kids about the, the pluses of living here in, in our valley. Certainly, there are some things we take for granted. Buell Park, we take for granted. The dam, we take for advantage, uh, for granted. Um, low crime, low cost of living, uh, families, all of the things that this area is known for, they start uh, with the junior high level, and then they run that into their high school to tell them that there are some real advantages here. Uh, for example, housing that we just talked about. Um, our housing costs here are r ridiculously low compared to everywhere else. Um, so there are some advantages here. The other thing that they're, they're doing is working with, um, through tax abatements and et cetera, companies that are looking to come here um, to try to attract them, to, to draw them here, saying that, that, that this is a viable, there is a viable workplace here. Um, one of the other things that the area is facing is declining population. We're losing about 1% a year, which off the top doesn't sound like a lot, but if you think about in 10 years, that's 10% of your population is, is going. Now, some of that is because we're an older community, mm -hmm. and there's, so there's death, to put sure. it bluntly. absolutely. Right? Because mm -hmm. uh, we're older. Um, but the other one is then that the folks who are, are younger folks who are just leaving. So it is a challenge um, as that I don't wish I had a – a one-stop shop answer for you. If I did, um, I, I would be a president of some place that they were paying a whole heck of a lot of money because he knows yeah, the answer. Exactly. Uh, but but I say I would say leading the charges, Penn Northwest and the chamber is we're partnering with them to help some of those programs come along. We have a lot of programs that we we reach out to young professionals to encourage them to stay here for obvious advantages. Now I I've lived out of the area a couple of times and I've come back. And every time I've come back, I've seen, you know, whether it be just for a couple of years or an extended period of time, um, the big telltale is just to look at our school systems because school enrollment is down. Um, well, there's starting to be some school consolidation. I mean, that has really started to happen here now these last uh, 10, 15 years or so. I, I do look at our interstate system, and I know that you've heard this before. I'm not the only one saying it. Um, I look at our interstate system. I look at the amount of traffic that goes through this particular area. How big Youngstown used to be, uh, as far as trucks and and all well, and they still are um, as far as those exits and everything are concerned. And you would think that with our water table and with our easy access to um, interstates, that there would be this would be a no brainer. That there would be a lot more economic development. Now, I guess it is encouraging. We have FedEx here now. Um, so far, it doesn't seem to be, you know, people are always concerned. Heck, I mean, the, come on, the whole town was about ready to vapor lock over a couple of r r road circles. 
and, and we're navigating that just well. And then there was a lot of concern about FedEx going in there and that really clogging up that part of the interstate. Hasn't whatsoever. Um, and they've done a nice job at moving into our community and keeping that particular area hidden and attractive. So I find that to all be encouraging. But, man, there just seems like this would be a no-brainer to really be opening this area up. But you sort of just did answer that question. That is our youth. You know, the kids we've raised have all moved away and nobody's coming back. Yeah, and and, and again, I, I think... I love the way that Penn Northwest has approached this is that, you know, they, they realize you, you can't change the youth unless you, you get them at a younger age and get them to understand the value. I mean, as far as FedEx is concerned, um, I had long conversations with them and they had zero, this was really encouraging. They had zero concerns about workforce. Now, mind you, those are jobs that are high paying uh, and then, and, highly desired mm -hmm. but they had when i asked them about it, they had zero concerns about it they felt that they could in fact hire enough folks did uh, they primarily did they hire local uh yes uh now they had closed the plant in f north jackson okay. to move it here and so some of those folks sure. uh, came over um but some of them naturally didn't because of the, a bit of a drive but yeah they're up and running and i'm with you that's such a plus for the area and such a plus and it's a uh, there's a, also a lot going on down on uh, what you and I refer to as Swamp Road. There's some right. things coming there that are pretty exciting. There's a $50 million project down there uh, that's coming that I can't really speak the details about okay. yet. But there are some things that are that are happening. Um, there's some things happening up in that Mercer area uh, right along that uh, 80 quarter, uh, 79 quarter that are exciting to come. Um, but it is not an easy fix. It's not a... a, a a quick fix for sure um, to figure out how to get the young people to stay. Or in the it, neither is the housing. Um, I, I sit on a, the board in uh, downtown for downtown Sharon to beautify them, and I will give Sharon credit because uh, when I grew up, their population was about twenty five thousand people. We used to be the number. Now, when I grew up, that was long, long time ago. Mm -hmm. But they're at 13,000 residents right now. That is a significant shrink. Yeah. Um, so there is a, a group of business professionals um, that are saying, what can we do to beautify downtown Sharon uh, more and, and, and bigger and better so that businesses will want to come back to downtown Sharon? So I'm encouraged by that because, again, those, those mean jobs <laughs> and those means potentially young people will stay to do jobs down well, and I don't, job. I don't mind calling anybody out. I've met Jim Landino a couple of times, and he's done um, quite a remarkable, uh, you know, job down there. Uh, one of the things that uh, I really give him credit for is encouraging and trying to bring other businesses into the area and giving people startup opportunities. And sometime here, I'm going to have to come down and just take. It's been a few years. I, I did tour his property uh, probably five or six years ago. And uh, was just really impressed with what he was doing. And, and the, the old women's Buell Club was still way under. And then, then I went back through it. And holy cow. I mean, that is so encouraging. Um, what are the plans for the property laying around Sharon, though? That You talk about economic development. That is a, a key. Uh, I think that's going to be a key for, for the continuing development of downtown Sharon is going to be the real estate availability and issues around the city. Yeah, and and that's was Mr. Landino sits on Jim sits on that committee that I that I'm on as well and and you're right about Jim's efforts there. But a, a major challenge is housing in and around that area. Mm -hmm. uh, much of it's blight. 
many of those homes don't have owners. Um, I, I think Sharon, and don't quote me on the number, but it was 80-some houses um, in and around what people call the avenues, which is 2nd, 3rd, 4th Avenue in that quadrant of, uh, of off of State Street. Um, I think 80 houses they, they tore down. And, and many of them, the, no one owns it anymore. They're, just, they're either deceased or whatever. Uh, and so that's a that's a absolutely a problem um, for that uh, for that city to to bear because it's, you can't tear those houses down for free. Um, if you don't tear them down, there Lord knows what's going on in those houses, and of course just the appearance of those places. So they're aware of it. It's a difficult difficult problem for them. They're tearing them down. Um, there's a few of them they're trying to fix up and renovate so that they can be um, viable. There's a lot of property in Sharon, um, housing-wise, that is uh, a real eyesore and a, certainly a, a, a problem. If you're a, a business coming into town and you drive through the neighborhood and see those kind of houses, you think, oh, my goodness. So they're aware of it, uh, but there's no easy fix for that. That's well, a long-term thing. But I, I, it is. And I also look at it, though, as, as potential. Because that is all real estate that could be eventually reclaimed. I mean, you know, you've just got to get people on board. People have got to look at the bigger picture and say, we got to do something here and start leaving something for the next generation or a couple of generations ahead. This is not uncommon to Sharon, too, which I hear this conversation all the time where they talk about all these terrific downtowns that are doing so great. And they look at Sharon and then they don't want to be part of the solution, but they want to complain a lot. The thing is, is that I left here a number of years ago. I ended up in Huntsville, Alabama. You want to talk about a jewel of a little city. They're per capita. I mean, polar opposites as to what Sharon in Huntsville, Alabama is. You have the Space Center down there, the Rocket Center. The military is entrenched. Every Fortune 500, every, every defense contractor. Their downtown was almost dead. Hmm. They had nightclubs, they had restaurants that people went to, but once those closed, you could walk safely anywhere. There was nothing going on. And it has been, that was one of the things that they started working on. And that was the other big problem was housing. They needed to start building an infrastructure, rebuilding the infrastructure in downtown, whether it be in existing buildings and neat little condo complexes and things like that, which Jim has sort of done in some of the areas down there and other people are doing, but, um, I just think that there, uh, that there's room there. And again, it is long-term. There's room there for some creative developers to come in and work on coming up with some creative housing, which will make a downtown vibrant again. I, I couldn't agree with you more. So, you know, you can look at it negative or positive. I couldn't agree with you more. There's opportunity and there's going to be some money. I think the other thing that uh, – I seem to be a Penn Northwest fan here. Penn Northwest, I attended a conference with um, – it was eight or nine uh, state representatives that came to town to hear about what's going on in Mercer County and what we're doing. And and one of the things that was expressed to them was uh, we need to uh, to get loans through the state. The process can take three, four years. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they expressed to these representatives that if we're going to do any kind of loans for small businesses, the process is, first of all, the, <clears throat> the fees to get all the licensing are crazy. Um, I, I think someone had shared they spent $1,500 in fees, and they're like three years from opening. And so as a new business, you're thinking, well, I've spent 1500 bucks just to apply for licenses, um, and, we, and I have no money coming in to offset that. So they talked about the fees, and they also talked about 
the process of why would it take that long to get loans approved? Why does it go into the state and sit for eight, nine months, ten months? So there are there are there are a bunch of people working on this, and I, so I'm encouraged by that. And I think that the state representatives heard that. Um, I hope that that doesn't end up in a political thing with the governor because these were happened to be at this point Republican state representatives. So I'm hoping they didn't see that as a as a, a battleground and hoping that they can streamline those so that people who want to get business loans can get them quicker and maybe uh, uh, at least lessen some of the fees that they're paying out there. Cool. All right. Well, that gives me a great place to start and to, and to think a little bit and to ponder around some things. The next time you and I talk about chamber things, I'll probably have a couple more questions or we can deep, dig a little deeper into this. Um, the other reason, well, initially why I wanted to have you in here is because um, in managing some social media sites and things is uh, I am always running across the Good Samaritan site. And your posts in general and your little questions and quips that you put out there to people always make me laugh and always make me chuckle. That's kind of like my daily bread <laughs> for me. Mm. Is I look at Jim Bombeck's quizzings and quanderings. They're always very creative and they're very fun and I appreciate that. But you are one of the, are, did you start it or you and a group of people started the Good Samaritans page? So I can give you the history of, I, I started it. Um, it was at the... Uh, start of the pandemic, and I had heard of a, if you remember, they closed restaurants in mm -hmm. town, and they closed a, a local restaurant, and somehow through social media, I got contacted by a single mom who was looking for help. Um, she was a waitress there, and she, uh, well, I think was making $2.93 an hour, and then she makes her living on tips, two kids, young kids. So she applied for unemployment, and the state said, sure, we see that. You work 30 hours a week. You make $3 an hour. That's $90. Uh, your portion for unemployment would be $67.38 that we would send you for unemployment. Of course, no tips coming in. And she's saying, well, how am I supposed to feed two kids and, and pay my rent and anything else? And I thought, oh, my gosh. So my family helped her. Uh, Band-Aid approach, went to D'Onofrio's and got her a gift card for food and, and gave her some money. And I, I remember thinking that night, there's got to be just a ton of waitresses and waiters in town, bartenders who are in the same exact situation, but I can't help them all. I, I, there's, I can help her. Uh, and so I, I remember praying, Lord, help me figure out what, what does this look like? And I, I woke up with the thought of social media, two thoughts, social media and the story of the Good Samaritan in the Bible. And the story of the Good Samaritan in the Bible is a man who fell among thieves and they beat him up and then a Good Samaritan came along and helped him. That, that's the, the quick version of that story. And so I remember thinking, social media and Good Samaritan, so what? Like, what, what do I do with that? Well, I'm sipping my coffee and the, the clouds became clear and I thought, what if we started a social media Facebook page where neighbors help neighbors, where people help each other? And there was more people like me that wanted to help. So that day I started the page, not knowing really how to start a Facebook group, but I did. Um, and we started with four members, the wife, the kids, mm -hmm. and me. And we were out there to save the world. Well, then we, we spread that uh, to our own friends. Um, and I remember when we hit 10, I was like, ooh, cool, we have 10. And then we hit 100. Uh, and then uh, pretty quick we hit 500. And I thought, oh, we're there. We have 500 people in the Valley that are willing to help each other. Of course, you also have 500 people, some of those, that need help. 
And then we go to 1,000, and then we go to 2,000, and then we go to 5,000. At 5,000, I was just flabbergasted that we would have 5,000 people in the valley. Um, and from there, then we grew to six, seven, eight, nine, ten. We're approaching, as we speak today, for almost 14,000 people on the page, which is really a blessing. But that also means there are a lot of those people who are really in need. In need. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's how that started. Um, it's been, it's a labor of love. I absolutely wake up every day, can't wait to get on um, to see what we're doing. Um, we've had some amazing things happen on the page. So you literally can get on the page and ask for soup to nuts. So if you need tires, a lawnmower, diapers, formula, clothes, uh a tie because you have a new job, a new interview, if you need a recommendation, all those things can happen on the page. And it's all organic that people help people. It's amazing how many times someone will say, I need, a, you know, we're expecting I need a, a baby carriage. And somebody say, oh, we, we have one we're not using. Come pick it up or I'll bring it over. Uh, and that's the beauty of it is it's neighbors helping neighbors. You said the two things that I unexpectedly was listening for. And number one is that you get up every single morning and you can't wait to get on the page Mm. because that's a reflection of the page. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's one of the pages that I go to every morning just for a little bit of encouragement. Mm. And again, the use of the word organic, because that's what it's all about. It's sad to see people in want, but the amount of people that step up to help Mm. And it's not just words. You could tell there's actual actions and things that are happening and needs that are being met. And that's so encouraging. Those are the things that I look for every day. Well, I I will share very early on um, when we were at probably two or 3,000 folks, it it, it can be, you have to run through all of those posts Mm -hmm. um, because I was the only administrator then. So it's a lot of work as well, but it's a labor of love. And so I knew I was meant to do this or, and it became something as a labor of love. Um, I had a single mom reach out to me, um, that seems to be prevalent on that page. She reached out to me that um, she was moving and she needed money for uh, security deposit. Well, we don't give anyone money on the page, although we are a registered 501c3. We don't give anyone money on the page without a serious vetting process. And and that's strictly because of drugs. We, we, right. we, we don't want to further that. So I said to her, okay, so... Um, if we're going to do that with a security deposit, and I think it was $475 or something like that, <coughs> excuse me, um, I, I'd need to vet you through that. It means I need your name, your address, and, and uh, some information. And I use an app called uh, that, that accesses the public records in the courts of Pennsylvania so that I can access to see if you've had any issues that would preclude us. So she was very hesitant to, to give me that information. And I said, well, I, I'm not trying to dig into your personal life, but, but it's money and understand that if we're going to do that. So uh, she said, can I, can I call you on the phone to discuss? It? I said, sure. So she calls me on the phone and she's Mr. Bombeck. Uh, I'm hesitant to give you my information because I'm leaving and trying to hide from my husband. I have two kids. And the last time we left, he showed up and found us and he brought his shotgun to the house and he shot shotgun shells into all of the walls as a message to us. And so I'm not giving anybody where I'm moving to. And I said, well, I understand that. Let me run it through this app, make sure that your record's clean. And once it's clean, you're good, and I won't tell anybody about where you are. 
So we did, and we ended up saying, yes, you're, you're clean. You have no record. I, we, we can pull from funds, and we can get your security deposit. And I said to her, before you go, would it be okay if I prayed for you? Because you're obviously in a rough situation. <laughs> I'll get emotional here because she got deathly quiet, and there was a long silence. And then she began to weep on the phone. And I said, oh, I'm so sorry. I just wanted to pray for you and your situation. And she said, no, Mr. Bobbick, you don't understand. I'm 28 years old, and no one's ever prayed for me in my life. Mm-hmm. And really, right now, I could use some prayer because we don't have money. We don't have this. We don't have that. And so I prayed for her. I went up the phone, and we made arrangements to get her her, her money through a third party so she wouldn't even have to meet me. Um, but that day, I knew, okay, this, this is something that's a labor of love uh, we were able to help that woman. I have no idea who she is. I don't remember her name or where she's at, mm-hmm. and that's the way it's supposed to be. Um, but that cemented it for me that, okay, yeah. Well, you're doing a lot of good on that page, and I want people in the community, um, if you haven't seen it, uh, to definitely take a look at it. We'll get into a little more about that. I'll share my story, personal story with you. Um, my brother and sister-in-law uh, well, actually, both of my brothers really got started. I was involved uh, just a little bit as a helper, but you might have heard of Beds for Little Heads. Yeah, and that, yes. that would be my brother Brett and uh, his wife Donna, and then Carl and Chris. But um, it's easy to tell the good stories. Unfortunately, you really can't share always the negativity because, unfortunately, when you're dealing with something like this, some of the darker sides of all of this, and that is hard, hard, hard to deal with because if you start to express yourself or you start to talk about it, then you just sound like you're just whining about everybody in the community. But unfortunately there are those that really need and deserve, and there are those that don't. And, um, but you've just done a beautiful job on that page of weeding out the don'ts. (laughs) (laughs) We try. I have a couple of administrators that help me with it and, and, and we miss, I would say this when, when we, uh, when we're not sure, um, we do vet mm-hmm. um, as best we can, um, but we we offer grace is what we do, and and I look at it that if we um, help you and you took advantage of us, you missed a blessing on that. Uh, we're not stupid about it. I mean, again, we right. we don't when we we have um, we have had some issues with folks who did use the page mm-hmm. and and were able to gain something they shouldn't have. Um, we fix that as quick as we possibly can. I, I remember one of these situations, and I mean, and also you stepped up right away and were accountable for it and and how, you know, it was going to be corrected and was. Yeah, I mean, it's, again, it's, you know, we live in such a tough economic time. Mm-hmm. Um, and and when you're dealing with folks who have uh, uh, issues with drugs or, and or alcohol, uh, naturally you're going to, they, they can go through some really desperate times. And, you, and I get it. They reach out to where they think they can get help. Um, and we don't want to enable. Um, so through love, we, we, mm-hmm. we end that as quick as we can. Because it's then, then really not fair to others on the page uh, That's right. for, for users. But um, yeah, it's something that tasks me for sure. Um, because I worry on both ends. I don't, I don't want to enable you and your habit. Um, but I also want to understand. I I understand that you you need help, uh, and you may just may not be ready for it yet. Very good. Well, I appreciate that page. Now, can people donate to that? You being a five hundred one c three, how do you go about your 
your fundraising. And I know that it's all organic and people helping people, but there's got to be a little bit of a, a core behind it. Yeah, we have not said anything on the page about that. We do right. have some donations that come in, and it's people who've reached out to me privately and said, I'd like to donate. Um, but we have not done anything uh, visually. And, and, I, and quite frankly, one of the reasons we haven't is because we don't want people saying, well, well, I know you're fundraising. I need help with rent. Right. And that's probably the biggest challenge uh, we face is utilities and rent. Uh, folks, lots and lots and lots of folks sadly get behind on utilities. Um, and so we have not done that on purpose. We do have some funds, but not a lot of money. Um, we do have some funds that we, that we are uh, careful to, with and and to use. But if someone would want to donate, that's uh, they'd have to reach me on the Facebook Messenger, and I would be glad to talk to them about how we can do that. And it's tax deductible because of our 501c3 status. Terrific. Well, I've come up with in in conversations with other people and people here in the community, and uh, people, and I've brought up Good Samaritans. And so that's answering my question just as much as anything. So if I run into that, I'll be sure and send them directly your way. Perfect, love that. Um, yeah, it's uh, it, it's a it's a beautiful thing. I, the other thing about that page, and I still I ran into here again the other morning was I still can't believe that we're still running into issues with baby formula. Yeah, that is odd. In fact, that was it's still crazy that we are, and it's really pre pretty sad. It's scary. Uh, yeah, it's scary. And I, you know, my kids are grown, so I don't have to worry about that. But but there was a time where that's how they lived. Right. And so, yeah, that we, we still have that. We've had uh, a lot of people step up for that, but availability is still an issue, and that's puzzling for sure. Well, I'm very interested in continuing conversations with Good Samaritan, and I watch it, and I encourage people um, – you know, if you're going to try and screw them over, please just go another direction and don't even <laughs> take the time. But if you're a, a, a nice, upstanding citizen here in the Shenango Valley, the Penn Ohio Valley, that is a site that you want to check out. And if you have time or the inclination to uh, just just on a whim to help somebody, you never, ever, ever know. You know, the things that get the most advertising and get the most attention are the people that always go through, you know, Starbucks and they just can't believe that somebody ahead of them bought them a cup of coffee. And you could do that every day, and you don't necessarily have to uh, ding a bell and shine a light and just make a difference. Amen. Um, yeah, so Good Samaritan's the other one. In fact, I'm going over to see tomorrow is uh, our, our fine folks at Mercer County Food Bank. Mm, yes. Um, meeting them, I, I've been involved around them over the last some years. And that's just another way that you talk about trying to help organically. They had a program, and I'm going to learn more about it here, but they had a program that I'm really interested in participating in this year. And that's if you put a garden in, you you can uh, raise a row or two for oh, the food neat. bank. And I just think that's a really neat thing. And if I, I, I want to get involved with that, encourage people to do things like that, especially those of us that are seniors that are going to spend a little bit of time gardening. <laughs> Why not garden a couple of rows for I your community? That. Yeah, and you know what? Those their friends are chamber members, and I wish I could remember the the need um, for food has grown exponentially. Mm -hmm. I will say that since I don't have the statistic off the top of my head, but it is a large percentage of increase of people who, of families who need food from them. A large, large, large percentage. It's it's actually uh, if you think about the fact that there are hungry people in this day and age in our valley is really a sad, scary, mm -hmm. puzzling befuddling thought that people would be hungry uh, 
with the wealth that we have in and around us. So. And I also worry about the silent seniors. Oh, for sure. Because I keep running across story after story after story about our seniors who are, for whatever reason, well, most of the time they say they're so proud. Well, it's not even so much a matter of pride. Well, it is in the sense that they realize that there are a lot of families that need, so they would much rather go without than be taking mm. something away from a family. And that just breaks my heart every time I hear that story. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I mean, I I don't. I wish we had an answer for that big picture. Thank God for the food bank. They are amazing people, and they do amazing things. That they're uh, and I, I give them credit and their board credit because uh, they're feeding hungry people, and the need is is great. Well, the immediate answer right now is people like the food bank, people like Good Samaritans, people like yourselves. Uh, just to step out and do some good. And it doesn't need, need to be a full-time job. It's just taking a couple of hours out of every week and doing something to better somebody else's life. Couldn't agree more. Jim, thank you so much. I'm so glad we bumped into each other. I'm so glad this all came about. And uh, let's continue on with this conversation. Thanks for having me. This was, uh, this was fun. I appreciate you. Cool. I appreciate you, too. Mr. Dana presents. Next time, John Luminati was going to join us today, but he's sick. Lo and behold, that guy who's around everything and around everybody, and finally it got him. God love John. But next time, I want to have you and John over because I think it would be a hoot. Perfect. All right. Thank you, Jim. Thank you.